Okay, so MicroConf is over, and uh, I'm back in the car with Jason, and we are driving out of Los Angeles now. Driving out uh, of Las Vegas. Oh, driving out of Las Vegas, yeah. Right, well, it's 5.30, so we're trying to get out, get back to L.A. before uh, before it's too late, because i got to fly to Sweden tomorrow morning. Yeah, tell us a little bit about that. Well, I think our flight... Well, I talked to Sandy, and she said that we need to leave at about 8 a.m., I'm not sure when our flight is. It's like 10, 30, or 11, or something like that. So to get down to LAX and go through international. So why are you flying to Sweden? Well, I think I probably mentioned this in an earlier show, but a good friend of ours is getting married in Stockholm. Yeah. So we're going to spend a few days there for the wedding. And uh, then after, then on, I guess Monday, we're going to take a train to Oslo and then and hang out in Oslo for about two and a half days. And uh, we'll spend some time with Guyon and his family. So. so did you have a good time at MicroConf, Rob Walling and uh, Mike Tabor's MicroConf? I did. I was, um, you know, it's kind of interesting. You know, the first part of the day, of the, or at least the, I would say, I was a little frustrated after the first day until it got into the evening because I just wanted to get work done. Yeah. <laughs> and I did, I, you know, obviously not, I was pretty much unable to get much done, um, you know, because I was trying to code a little bit and solve some bugs for Uber while I was listening to the speakers, but that's not... Yeah, so there was one point during the conference that I looked over to your screen and I saw that uh, you had TeamViewer going and Curtis was logged into your screen actually doing work. That was awesome. Yeah, so a couple things about that. And TeamViewer works great. We had... Uh, that was recommended by a number of our listeners. By me originally. Was it by you? Yeah. Well, I guess there was a lot of bitch, a, a thumbs up. It was by Abu originally. Was it? Okay. Yeah. Abu, Abu recommended it to me and I started working with it uh, with him with it. Now, I haven't used it as the client, so I don't know how responsive it is, but it worked automatically. I didn't have to... It didn't seem like I had to set and do any special router configurations. Oh, or no, nothing like that. And you don't Which need VNC, to... VNC, a lot of times you have to do that. Yeah, yeah, nice. Um, and uh, I didn't hear Curtis complaining at all, like it was sluggish or the screen was getting behind, like in Skype. So, um, yeah. So it was funny because... Um, <laughs> I kept on jabbing you, saying, "Why aren't you listening? Why aren't you paying attention?" Because you were like working during the during a lot of people. I was trying to, you know. I just, you know, Uber has a has a lot going on. Uh, we're trying to roll out this new dispatching server, um, and uh, you know, the dispatching server is something that I wrote. So, um, or at least I wrote most of it. And, but Curtis has been working on pieces of it with me, and there are just, you know, there are issues, right? And so we're trying to get those knocked out, and. Um, but you were paying attention because actually I was actually completely watching it and you were working and listening at the same time and you still remembered more about it than I did. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so. um, yeah, I was, I was able to listen and I, mean, I guess maybe I have a certain amount of practice that because I listen to podcasts and stuff so often when I'm working. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I guess it wasn't that hard for me. Um, I, but I, it, what it did, I had a hard time getting work done on a laptop that I'm not used to working on. I'm used to yeah. leaning back in my chair, having a mouse, having a 27-inch screen, yeah. having all my programs set up the right way and installed and configured the exact right way. And when everything is only partially configured, you maybe have half your software there, and you're just not sitting the way you're you're comfortable sitting. It's tough. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I those those good conference chairs. Those are brutal to sit in. He's like, sit straight up. You can't sit back, lean back. Um, well, I'm f- 
well done to uh, Rob Walling and Mike Tabor for organizing that. I mean, a lot of work went into it. And we, we kind of spoke to them and said, you know, did you make a lot of money on this? And they were like, no, they didn't. It was pretty much a labor of love. But it was great. I think it's going to be great for them in terms of um, networking, um, building up their profile. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be good for yeah, them. Yeah, well, you know, at the end of the first day, so I was a little frustrated because I wanted to get more work done. I was hoping yeah. that I could get more work done. And then I started getting frustrated because I realized how much stuff ultimately needed to get rolled out by me for, on these different projects. Yeah. And, um, but then after the first day, we met down at the pub and uh, we had a, we had like a dinner with a bunch of texting listeners. That was just awesome. And that was great. It was, it was like a four hour dinner, right? I mean, we got really down around awesome. six, 15 and it went to after 10 sometimes so I followed up with my Applebee's promise except that we didn't go to Applebee's um, we Thank met the God. We, we met our texting listeners and we ate in the pub and ate English food which was kind of very uh, seemed relevant right and I ordered a ribeye steak on your tab which yeah of course you did like all the all the meals were nine ninety nine, but Jason orders the one that's twenty seven ninety nine. as long as you're paying that's I'm right. having a ribeye yeah yeah but uh yeah. That was a great time, um, you know, with Ted and, and William and Andy. Is it Andy or Andrew? Um, I don't know. I think, uh, he, I think he signs his emails Andy. Right. And what's uh, Ted's um, partner's name? Was there? Do you remember? I'm blanking on his name. Yeah. But they were, really, they were all really cool. And, uh, and, and Rob was sitting with us for a while and Ruben for a while, another guy, Chris. So, you know, it was really... And, and another guy, Eric, came over who just happened to be in... Um, uh, Las Vegas uh, because of his, uh, his himself and his girlfriend were taking a vacation there and uh, he just I don't know I think a friend of his was at the conference and so it was just coincidence and he's a texting listener and he came and said a quick hi <laughs> yeah. which is kind of cool I think in total there was probably close to 10 or 12 texting yeah. listeners there yeah. at, at, of 100, at 100 attendees which is kind of cool you know so that, so that means those people found out about MicroConf through the show some and, of them did oh right yeah, I think yeah. some, some of them it just was you know, they, they found out about Microsoft and other from Rob because a lot of our listeners also listen to startups for the rest of us and read or yeah, read Rob's true. blog so one, one thing that so the meal um, was awesome and the discussion was awesome and we ended up talking about any foo and we we just worked as a, as a team brainstorming it through for about two hours right the whole business yeah validating the business you know because we were all the customers well uh, yeah it was interesting so talking about that well it was fun just talking about just tech and startups and whatever in general with these guys yeah and we, we were but then when we started talking discussing any as a concept and as a business and how it would work and how you deal with edge cases and how you would deal with pricing and how would you get the revenue to scale with your server customer support load things like that it got really interesting and it sort of served as like you know like a, how a hackathon would work okay we got something yeah. to talk about it's not we're just like just BSing on a variety of topics so it made it more interesting than, yeah. it, than maybe the discussion would have been otherwise and then people would come by like Rob Walling stops by for <laughs> you know a half hour 45 minutes sits down and he said oh yeah when I was listening to the podcast I had a couple ideas that I've been meaning to tell you and you need to think about you should think about X, Y, and Z yeah, yeah. right and so integrating all these ideas in one discussion was really helpful because we got a lot of different perspectives from a lot of really smart guys who some of them would be um, would serve as any foo experts like that was their interest they're like oh I would I would love to be an expert and, and, and help people for a hundred or 150 or two hundred dollars an hour as an expert in SQL or you know dot net or whatever it, was it, is it is it named Doug Doug Pitt 
what's his name? Ted. Ted. Oh, yeah. Ted Pitt. Yeah, so he, his company and himself wanted to serve as an any food customer. Yeah, well, they needed, they were just talking about, they needed this guy who actually works, um, I think it's Jeremy works with Rob. He's, mm-hmm. he's at Dot Not Invoice. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, we're going to pay him, you know, hundreds of dollars per hour to come in for a few hours to help us, you know, deal with some things that we need dealt with. Right, and they're like that's the perfect example. So it was interesting that a few of the people we talked to were both potential uh, buyers and also potential suppliers. Actually, that was the realization that I I had had is that the, our marketplace is actually the same. Our buyers are our customers, or let, let's put it this way: the the the, the um the sorry the sellers are the customers. No, no, it's actually the, the sellers of the channel. The 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 um the buyers, uh, I mean the suppliers are also the influence the buyers so the people who yeah, might the channel, register yeah. themselves as um, as experts on the site and might moonlight as you know if they're if maybe they do contract work and they also you know would hopefully do maybe five or ten hours a week helping people on the site uh, and, and, you know through any foo but then um, but a lot of them most people are employees right yeah. so mo- most of our listeners probably are lead developers um, you know team leads, you know, CTOs at, at various companies, and they're like, yeah, I'm an expert in these things. I, I I love this technology. I wouldn't mind a few hours a week or moonlighting or on the weekends doing that, right? Yep. Well, if if they think Anyfu works well as a, as, a, as a provider, as a service provider, as an expert, the next time they're at a company, they're like, hey, we need, we're having problems scaling this database. We're having problems with the virtualization environment. We're having a problem with this. How, how do we get someone in? He's like, oh, we just go to Anyfu, right? They're going to want. They're yeah. going to tell. They're either going to be the one who's going to have the say in the budget, or they'll be able to influence the person who does have the say. Say this is this is where we need to find the expert. So that means that they are positioned as as our channel. That's right. Which is pretty awesome, and um, yeah, I mean, just the more we spoke to people about it, the the better the idea seemed. I mean, I don't know whether it was because we were getting drunker uh, or, or yeah. <laughs> lit, but but to be honest, you you were you were stone cold sober. So that, yes, I don't yeah. drink. So I, I think yeah, you always have to be careful that everybody doesn't get kind of high on a new idea. Yeah, everybody yeah. kind of convinces everybody that it's a great idea. So sometimes you have to let it sink in and let a few days pass and decide if it's still such a great idea. But um, I think, but we did kept we, we did spend a lot of time trying to tackle edge cases. You know, things, what, what is not going to work? What do we need to think about here? And I don't think anyone was very, was drunk. You know, nobody had had, had, had that much to drink. Yeah, Everybody yeah. was thinking pretty clearly about yeah. it. And um, one of the issues that we spent a lot of time thinking about is like, well, how, how do you do the revenue? Like, what's the, what's the revenue model, right? And we originally thought, well, you register and you pay like a monthly fee. But then we quickly decided that that doesn't, that has a couple problems. Because one, you want people to register. You, you, you want the supply there. So it, and what, what scales a little better is if you take a, um, like a, a small percentage of the transaction, right? So, or, or, or like there's a... Um, there's, there was two, two kind of key ideas that we came up with. One of them was an introductory fee. So something like a dating site. So um, basically when you make a connection, you just pay like a one-time fee of $20, right? Based on, so first of all, the minimum engagement is an hour and, an, and the minimum cost is a hundred bucks, mm-hmm. right? So we take a one-time connection fee of $20. So basically our maximum fee would be 20%. And if that person kept on working with that person for many, you know, for many hours afterwards, then we wouldn't keep on charging them. It would just be that one-time introduction fee. But there was also some discussion about 
you know, continually taking um, a, a percentage. But the problem that I've got with that is that then people will try and kind of work a way around the system. See, I think I think you're I think there's things that we're going to do here that are that are going to work against doing that. First of all, if people are charging, you know, 150, 200, 300 dollars an hour, right? Yeah. They're they're not going to be worrying about nickeling and diming. Five, you know, uh, if, if let's say we take five or ten percent of that, right. you know, they're probably not going to worry about nickeling and diming. And especially when they have a company, they're not going to go on the company and say, "Hey, you know, I want you to funnel me this extra fifty or hundred bucks." You know, it's just it's kind of these kind of people aren't going to probably the majority of them aren't going to think that way. And secondly, um, the way people get um, ranked. So if you do a query on. Um, on any phone, you say, I need someone who's an expert at um, optimizing complex SQL queries for Oracle. Yeah. Right? And you're going to want people who have the most reviews and the most stars. That's how that's going to be ranked well, first rank. So actually, let, me, let me finish my yeah, yeah, okay? yeah, yeah. So you're really going to want anyone you do business with to, um, to give you a rating, to give you a positive rating, and give you a positive review. And the only way that they can get that's, that a buyer can give a rating is if they have completed a transaction through the site. So if they go and say, "Oh, actually, we didn't do the transaction," or you, you know, then that, then then they're not, they can't get a review. And if you can't get a review and you can't get a rating, then your rankings are going to fall. And and secondly, um, you can also rank them not just the number of reviews they have, but the total number of hours they've billed. Right. So that increases their weight. So if you do a five, you know, if you've done you know, 10 five-hour engagements, and they're all positive, that's going to mean a lot more probably than 10 30-minute engagements. So that's what, yeah, you're right. So because of what I was just reminded of as you were saying that was that that's a big deal on Odesk. Like when I'm looking for a contractor, I want to see how many hours they've they've accrued through Odesk. Right. That's really important to me because obviously if they've accrued a certain number of hours, then they've been used and they've been rebooked and rehired, et cetera, et cetera. So that actually does make the percentage one make more sense. Yeah, and, and it just it, it scales with the support, right? So like if system, you have a lot yeah. of people getting a lot of work, then there's going to be more load, not just, just there's just going to be more support required out of us. And, yeah. and so you're going to need the revenue to scale with that because if the, if the, if the revenue doesn't scale with the load, uh, with a ser- customer support load and the server load and whatever else, then you had a problem. And that was something that uh, Ted brought up, which I thought was a very valid point. And, and Rob also talked a lot about that. Yeah, Rob and, yeah. I think Rob and, um, and uh, Ted had talked about how they had had products where they just thought, well, you play a fad, flat fee. Everybody plays, pays the same amount, right? But then some people start using a ton more, which creates a lot more um, you know, load and yeah. work. And then you, then you got a real problem. And uh, if you if you create something that's that has a uh, that scales that's in direct proportion, then you're then you then you've got a model that scales that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, and the other thing that uh, Rob had pushed on, and I think uh, and, and I think Rob and Ted were both pushing on this. I think we're in agreement on most things. Yeah. Which was that you want the payment to go through us. Rather than having it like go, like, oh, you work out the payment separately, and you know you do these other things. You want it to go through the site not only because, not only because then we can we can do our, our revenue that way, right? We can take a percentage of the transaction. Because it's easier. It's, it's easier. easier for it's easier for everybody. They don't have yeah. to invoice separately. They don't have to. It's like I'm paying this person. I've never done business. Am I going to get paid? Yeah. We can also at some point do like an escrow or um, you know for, if somebody's a new buyer or something, then they have to put a certain amount of money in or to hold it in escrow and do money back guarantee. We can do all that stuff. We can do that secure. You know, we can we can be a more of a, um, a security blanket, which is you get through like Odesk, right? 
So the, what, the one issue is the percentage for the payment processing itself is going to be a certain percentage out of any potential cut that we could make. So, for example, PayPal, um, you know, they charge a minimum of 3%, 2.9%. So that's something we need to consider. But the, the, the worst thing about PayPal, I think, is that it's 2.9% coming in that we lose, but then it's also 2.9% that we lose going out. Well, okay, um, first of all, people don't necessarily have to pay. I, I, okay, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not an expert on this, but right. people... The, the buyers, for the most part, are probably going to be companies, yeah. right, of various sizes. Companies are not going to pay through PayPal. They're going to pay through via credit card. So just a credit card. And they're going to have their, some corporate credit card, you know, and, and then, you know, there might also be other options. I where think you, you're right. Transfer. You're actually right because um, a customer of Plugio who is a company, like my, my one enterprise level customer, they do not like paying through PayPal. No. They just want to pay directly by credit card and they want to do like a one-time big payment. Yeah, they, they're not going to want to do that. In fact, what they may end up doing, and we do this, is like buy credits on the system, pay ahead of time, and then they don't have to prove it. We could just, you know, you could end up doing things like that. That's like an interesting thing. That's an interesting you idea. You have a certain number of credits, and you know they use they use different experts in different categories all the time, right? Yeah. And um, I think there's a, if we if we run it through us, you know, we don't necessarily have to use PayPal. We can end up using some of these other payment gateways later. We can like make authorize that authorized authorized or yeah, something like that. or Chargeify or uh, well, I, see, that, or see those guys, those guys don't do. <clears throat> don't give you a merchant account or anything like that. So okay. Chargeify, all they're doing is giving you an API to access authorized.net, you know? Right. Right. So, which we don't really, probably don't need. Right. You know? Um, I mean, I think it's going to be pretty easy for us to build that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, you know, whatever. When we start with something simple that works, we don't have to optimize that every last percent, yeah. you know, go, goes to us as opposed to PayPal or whoever. But once we get something that works... You know, and my, we, we even if we have to enter transactions manually at first, which is I think what uh, Rob and uh, Ted were saying, like it doesn't matter. Just yeah. uh, you know, just you know, do whatever you want. Just be able to facilitate the transactions one manually and get the thing going. So I think I think that model makes the most sense. And I think through Startup Guild, through Texing, um, between just those two, I think we should be able to seed Edifu with enough experts that it would be interesting for someone to come on there. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that maybe we can get somewhere at the very minimum 50, but maybe between 100 and 200 or more experts for everything from Ruby, Python, SQL, I mean, maybe even things like Photoshop and, uh, you know, uh, you know, whatever, EC2 setting. I mean, you can cover all those things. I mean, we'll see, we'll see right? You know what's kind of cool is that the people listening to our show, we can build a business that can help them make money. Right. That's kind of awesome. <laughs> Right, right. Well, that's what I'm hoping. I mean, I'm hoping that you know our listeners are thinking, hey, you know, I'm a jQuery expert, or I'm a WordPress plugin expert, or I'm a Facebook Facebook app building expert, or an Android expert. Everybody listen to this. Listen to this is probably an expert on at least one or two or three things. And it doesn't have to be, I'm an expert on all SQL. You could be an expert on, on, on SQL query performance tuning for post for uh, po- PostgreSQL, right? Postgres, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just something micro. Or like, but I, am a, I am a, like, you, there's, there's a guy you work with who's an expert on Drupal performance tuning, right? But it's, it's even, it's not even just technology. It's also um, specific situation experience. So, because another thing that Ted, Ted brought up was that, as well as off, as well as kind of putting a profile out there and showing what you can do, we should also have a way that people can enter like a detailed request of work, you know. Yeah. So I'm I'm looking for someone who's gone through this experience, you know, who's worked with EC2 and who's 
done over a thousand servers kind of thing and that gets posted to the system and then we send it out by email to the to the users of the system so sometimes people may not have even listed something on their resume but it's a problem that they're very familiar with sure. and they can like log into the system and offer their help yeah they can say look I you know I've done X Y and Z and you, you people can say you know subscribe to an email like an update like real time you know just like you subscribe to like Google Earth for news yeah so if anybody mentions this term it gets emailed to me yeah you could do the same thing perfect um, and you could also do a daily summary mm. um, and we could do all those all those all those sorts of things and another thing I was thinking about and we, I guess we talked about this a little bit was that if you make the minimum a hundred dollars an hour which I yeah. think is a good number right I think a hundred is sort of the minimum that an expert is going to charge for anything I mean most experts are actually going to be more than that when you're charging on when you're tra- when you're talking about charging for small jobs low you know it's like maybe I'm $100 an hour if I'm doing 30 hours a week but if I'm going to do five hours with you or two hours, I mean... Yeah, that's, a, that's a known fact in the contracting market. I mean, right. the, the shorter the job, the more you charge. Right, just because of all the headache in, in, in terms of setting things up and getting mm. things scheduled. And it just sort of throws me off from what I'm working on. Then I might charge, you know, minimum of 250 or whatever. But for businesses who need a problem solved and need an expert, they're not going to be price sensitive to 50 or $100. So it's not going to be like you register on the site as an expert for... And I, you know, I keep using SQL you know because uh, well, it came up so much in the discussion over dinner like there was a there was a uh, like one SQL expert who knew SQL inside out and there was another guy who was looking for SQL optimization which just just kind of fluke right, at that okay. particular dinner and that's so why it kept a, on coming up yeah and I, and, and I guess I, I like that one because that's like a typical I think that's a good example but so if you if you need that problem solved you need to solve pretty much right now the, the 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 person okaying that from their budget is going to say, well, this guy's one hundred twenty five dollars an hour. This guy's one hundred dollars. This no. guy's four hundred dollars an hour. But the four hundred dollars an hour guy is the guy who wrote three books on the subject. Yeah. Right. It's like we're really worried about this problem. Our database is falling over. Um, get that four hundred dollar an hour guy right now. Can we get him today? Or like, who can we, who's who's the highest probability this can be solved like today? So that was another great idea that the guys had, is that we should approach, using the leverage that we've got through texting, we should approach people like Patrick McKenzie and get them on the front page of the site to offer themselves as a consultant. So straight away, we've got, you know, our social proof and our, the kind of key people that we highlight on the front page are people who are respected in our space. Yeah, so yeah, pull pull from who we know, and so we can actually reach out. I mean, if if all we're looking for is somewhere between, at a minimum of 50 to 100 experts, I mean, we can literally, literally, contact those people directly we don't yeah. have to talk about it and hope that that they're listening to the show or find out about it we can go out and hunt down people with certain types of expertise and ask them hey register yourselves and even if they're like eh you know I wouldn't do it there's some number yeah there's some yeah. No hourly value that most people do anything that's for. right I mean somebody be like look I'm a thousand dollars an hour well, there are probably some people who would pay for it if the problem is that complicated exactly. and you're one of the least experts. It's they're like, they're like, because if you said, oh, it's hundred dollars an hour, fifty dollars an hour, they're like, yeah, I, I have no interest in that. I'm very busy. I make a lot of money through my startup. Or but if someone says, oh, we'll pay a thousand dollars an hour, they'll be like, okay, <laughs> right? Well, that's that's also great for us because I think that. Uh, another thing that we were discussing is that if the minimum price point was $50, then I don't think it's newsworthy. It's not, it's not PRable. But if our minimum price point is $100 and that it's all about experts, and essentially you had this analogy like we're the Tiffany. We're the, we're the Tiffany of, of yeah, kind if of If Odesk or, or, or Elance are kind of like Walmart or the 99 yeah. cent <laughs> yeah. store, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, you can go buy clothes at Walmart. <laughs> Yeah. But, you know, it's Walmart clothing or, 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 or Target or something. But, right. you know, we're, you, we're, we're going to be the Tiffany. We're going to be the Neiman Marcus. You're going, you're going you're gonna to pay for it, but you're going to get the best stuff. 
Yeah. Period. And it's like if you're not if you're looking for a deal, if you're price sensitive, you know, if you don't want to spend, you know, um, a thousand or two thousand dollars for a, you know a two, three, four, five hour engagement with an expert, and you want to spend eighty bucks, well, you know, go be, by all means go to Elance. By all right. means, and you know, and you're probably going to wasting a lot of time in not getting your problem solved. And if you're pro- and and so that's not our that's not our market. So the irony here is. In most instances, it would probably be cheaper to hire the 200 buck guy, you know, yeah. because an hour, an hour of, of time with someone like that, you're going to find your problem solved. Uh, whereas if you just try and get someone for $10 an hour, $20 an hour, you're going to be with them for a few weeks. Well, you, it might even be cheaper to hire the $500. I mean, the, yeah, the guy, right? right? So if you right, have a very right. hard problem that no one on your team really knows and has an answer to, um, there's someone out there. Are there some limited number of people out there? You know, 20 or 50 of them out there. Maybe we have three of them on our site who yeah. are registered, who are absolute experts. I mean, not only they have they solved that problem before. It's in their brain. It's in their RAM, right? It's in their brain. Yeah. They know the answer right now. And it, it reminds me back when, when uh, in the mid 90s when uh, yeah, I guess it was maybe in 97 or in uh, 1996, 97. And my buddy Phil and I in our first startup were were doing some really crazy stuff with uh, Microsoft Foundation classes, which is the C++ framework yeah. for uh, Windows. And uh, we went, we, we paid for premium support, and we went through like three or four levels of support trying to get our question answered. And eventually, after the fourth person, they said, well, we're going to have to have you talk to Chuck. Like, it wasn't just like, well, wait, we're going to back to you. No, we're going to have to talk to Chuck. And eventually, Chuck came on, and it was this very deep voice, and it, he, he, could, he would only answer... In, he would answer in very simple yes, no, that is not possible. Like, it was just absolute certainty. Like, right. it was like the voice of God. <laughs> this is the guy you want to be talking it's to. It's the voice of God. It's like, okay, well, Chuck says that's not possible. Then it is not possible. No point in wasting any more time thinking about it. And he says, this is what you want to do. You know, I know what you're trying to do. That is not the right way. This is how you do it. Instead of having guys going, well, you know, you could do this, you could do that, and fumbling around. Let me look that up. Well, I think these are possible. No. I want a guy who says, that is not the way to do it. This is how you want to do it. Boom. Some, it's also by industry. For example, um, I was just thinking there as you were saying that, I mean, the high frequency trading industry, for example, sure. right? So, you know, that soft guys who are doing software dev and that. So maybe we should have a think about industries because, you know, high value industries as well. I think we maybe later on, I think, you know, that's always possible. I think if we just start and we focus on t- the tech coding world, just which dev. is really within our wheelhouse, it's the, it's the stuff that we know, it's the kind of people we know, it's the community that we have the most reach and well, I mean, I mean, I mean, tech coding world. But what I mean is that within the tech coding world, there's people who do tech coding for high frequency, tra- high frequency trading, and um, those guys are obviously going to, you know, we, we can we can attract high. those kind of guys, right? Yeah, yeah, you could find all that kind of stuff. So, and I guess a lot of it, we'll just see how it works. So, one yeah. of the things we're talking about, like this site, is like you wouldn't just say I'm an expert and hit a checkbox in SQL, or I'm an expert in PHP. What we were what we're thinking about is having you would be able to list an, a, a number of of specific specialties, right? Yeah. Here are five or ten things that I can just to give you an example of things that I am really experienced at that I can really help you with, right? Someone says, you know, complex Drupal installations, right? You know, non-standard Drupal installations. Like someone who's done, they've installed Drupal and all these environments customized. Like Scaling Drupal across 100 machines. Sure. Somebody who says that. It's not like I've worked on Drupal. I can tell you how to do that. Yeah, yeah. That, that, 
that's the kind of thing when someone types in Drupal install and that comes up and they go, holy crap, this is what this guy's done. He said, this is his expertise. And then you write a description of the kind of things he's done to support it. And you're like, well, that's the guy I, I want. I mean, that, that becomes massive for enterprise enterprises all across the world. I mean, that is just such a... If, if we can seriously fulfill that promise, that would be massive. Well, it's like, it's like what they call like... Um, just in, you know, like in uh, in uh, in manufacturing business, just have, like, in time, yeah. just in time inventory, yeah, just in yeah. time is like just in time expertise. Yeah, that's right. What it like, is. oh my god, that's it, just in time expertise. That is such a great because that, that like anyone in business knows what just in time is. Yeah, maybe that's it. Any food, just in time expertise. Just in time expertise. That is absolutely perfect. Are you just saying because it's Justin? No, I'm just Justin I, Vincent. I was just thinking because Justin that, Vincent time expertise. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what, we, we were having a problem. I really wanted to get to the kind of value proposition in one sentence, right? right? And I think that nails that it. That is it. Awesome. Just, just in time expertise. That That's very cool. Very yeah, cool. Well, that could work. That, yeah. that could, well, um, and, and, and there was another sort of a tagline or, or other line that could work in, in certain contexts that um, William came up with at dinner last night. Yeah, I've got that here. And it was, got a... Got a, uh, got a real technical problem, hire a real technical expert. Yeah, so it's kind of framing the problem... And then this is this one. You got the real problem, and we can do variations on that and, and try different things. But I think that's it. It's like you know, if you you have a really hard problem, then you know this is this is we're gonna find people. So here's the thing: we got to get this thing up fast. Yeah. Not only because we've talked a lot a lot, um, and not only because I think we can get it up fast. Because I think it's a among ideas, it's pretty good. We've kind of laid it out there, so we yeah. better just do it. Yeah. We no, we better do this one. But it's funny because essentially we we laid this out there two years ago. <laughs> we did, but nobody did it. Right. Nobody did it. So that, that just goes to show you, you know, uh, like, should you protect your idea? Should you keep your idea close to your chest? I mean, we think this is a fantastic idea. We've been talking about it for two years. It, you know, we still haven't done it. But I think finally, um, perhaps uh, the protagonist for this is that it's been hard for Jason to get uh, App Ignite kind of out there as, as a finished product. And, and this will be a real fast way for him to actually generate some revenue through, through the that work on App Ignite. Yeah, because so App Ignite would generate the, uh, the, the the core of the, the code. Yeah. And so I could tweak, just like I did, I've done with another recent project. Yeah. And that'll save a ton of time. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, also Sandy, you know, I was talking, she, she's a big fan of Anyfoo. I, I, I brought it up a week or two ago when we first started talking about it again. And she was... You know, I mean, she's kind of like Georgie, which is like, you know, you need to start making some more money. Yeah. You yeah. know, either consult more or, or you need to start making money. Because you're, you're approaching the, the wife's ass kicking. Yeah. I mean, she's she's a little more, uh, she's a little more patient, probably because she's, um, but I mean, uh, it's just her uh, style. But yeah. Uh, but patience she, has a limit, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. she's just like, look, you know, you know the, you're on the hamster wheel. Like, get off the hamster wheel. And you can do it just you know, figure out a way. And I had been talking about the idea of using App Ignite to generate and an other applications that would be quicker to market, yeah. that, would be, that would be much simpler technologically. You could just have a solution. And she's like, well, why don't you do that? She, she thought, like that idea. And then it was like a week or two later, you and I started talking about Inifu and she's like, I like it, do it. Well, because so, you were saying, let's do, you know, I'll do 10 businesses. And I was like, look, no, that's crazy. Just focus on one, right? One, but one business is a business. I mean, you know, we, yeah, okay. Like, yeah. yeah. So that's it. So that was awesome. Um, yeah. So, so that is any food. We're, we're excited about that. And I, we're going to really make this happen. Okay. This is a commitment to our listeners. Yeah, well, I'm it's gonna get actually going to exist. I, I, I believe in it. You know, well, you don't think what I was say is you're talking about how like having an idea stolen and, I, I mean, I think I was describing this to someone the other day, which is that the reason that you don't have to be so protective of your ideas is that there are three kinds of people out there, right? 
there are the people that have the ability and energy to actually take an idea and make it a reality, right? Not only write the code, but create a business out of it. Out of it. Yeah. There's not very many of those people around, but they're out there. But those, and then, and then, but those, they're already and, working. But they're on already ideas. working. Yeah. It. They yeah. have their idea. They might say, "Hey, that sounds like a cool idea." But they're like, "I already have my idea, and I have my two other ideas that I would do if I wasn't doing the idea I'm doing." Yeah. And so, and and they just don't feel it as exciting. It's not because it, it didn't come from them. It still feels kind of like. It's just not as exciting. It's like somebody else's idea. So it feels kind of weird. It's like a foreign object. It's like having a foreign organ in, inserted in your body. Your body's constantly rejecting it. Yeah. It's like inserting a foreign idea into your brain. <laughs> and it's like your brain's rejected. It's like, ah, I don't really want to do it. It's just foreign. It's like, ah, you know. And and, and then, there are the, then there are a group of people who who might think, oh, that's a good idea, but have zero ability to make it happen. Right. right? So those are the two kinds of people. And then there's the kind of people who have the ability and energy to, to take an, someone else's idea or take an idea and make it a reality. But those people converge into the first category because they don't exist. Right. <laughs> All the people have the ability to make something happen and have the energy and time to do it are already doing something. But with that said, don't steal our idea because it's just going to be bad karma. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what was actually interesting is, and, and I, I think uh, William made this point last night. He said, you know, you guys are in an ideal position to do this. There's not a lot of people. It would be harder. He said, if it was my idea, it would be harder for me to get off the ground because I don't know anybody. Who am I? Right. We've actually, through the, through two years of doing texting, we now know enough people that we can pull in the experts. Right? Which was the reason, which was, you know, when we first started, we said, okay, what, what goals do we have from texting? And essentially we said, okay, well, look, if we have one goal, it's just that one day we'll have enough people who listen to the show that perhaps we can build something interesting. Well, it's just like the idea was build an audience once and then if you create a cool startup or something that's targeted at that, that audience. At that audience, yeah. Well, then you're not starting from zero. It's not like, yeah, well, I have yeah. five people. I'm going to email my five friends. It's like, okay, I have, I have at least a kernel of an audience for that application. Yeah. And I think with TechZing and then Startup Guild has is like a, sort of an, a whole other group. Yeah. I mean, it's not, I don't think there's quite as many people on Startup Guild as there are on uh, TechZing, as, as there are TechZing listeners. Right. But it's a whole other group of people with maybe only a third of them or a quarter of them listen to texting. So it's another 500 people or so. And so between the two, we can get something up and get it seated and, and get it going. And I think um, I think uh, uh, Ted brought this up. He's like, you know, don't... Because I mentioned, oh, we can do this and write hacker, hack, a couple of ha- really good hacker news articles that'll bring in all hacker news people. And I think what he said is like, you know, don't even worry about hacker news. I mean, you have enough with Texing yeah. and Startup Guild to get going and to get things worked out and get the bugs worked out and get it working smoothly and then once you're kind of comfortable with that then then you can push it then you can do the Hacker News type of promotion alright so I think that that gets the, our excitement and fervor for AnyFu out of the way so uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh by the way AnyFu is spelled A-N-Y-F-U it's like Kung Fu yeah. like what's your foo like command line foo or sequel yeah. foo so some people thought we were, it was F-O-O yeah. So it's we any, may need to register that just so that, to do a redirect. And that's already any foo has already been taken. Oh, okay, fine. But any foo I have any foo any with an f u dot com is for f u f u buddy. <laughs> I know SQL better. Than any f u. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, back to the conference. Um, so I spoke at the conference. Right. That's right. You should tell us what you talked about. Well, hold on a second. You you saw me give the speech. What did you think? What what would be your critique? Um, well, I was happy that you decided to do it as a uh, as a story. Yeah. Which, if people remember the, 
I think we talked about on the podcast where you were talking about and you, and you first mentioned that you were going to be you were invited to speak and I said I thought yeah my, my idea a, was to be crazy and start by singing, singing or something weird like that and negative I think. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> negative. you have all these fantasies about what's crazy <laughs> you know it's like you know I I think you keep it simple it's like unless you're a, a true expert, something you've done, you've done like ten thousand speeches or something, or maybe you know done a thousand speeches, then you can start doing all this crazy stuff and maybe figure it out. But it's like the first time you go out there, just keep it simple and do a good job at the simple stuff. So how did I do? I think you did a good job. Well, I think by telling a story, you stack the deck in your favor, right? Because it's a it's a it's a kind of an interesting funny story. It's a funny story in the sense that you created Plugio and made a little bit of money and then you just left it for dead. <laughs> and you, talk, you wouldn't barely even talk about it until <laughs> yeah. everybody on the podcast was, you know, wondering. Everyone what the was hell. frustrated, and that was actually really funny because um, when we met other other listeners, they expressed their frustration to me, like like. Um, what is? Yeah, well, it was just like their comments, except you're they're in person going. What, what, I was yelling at you. <laughs> Dude, what are you, yeah, yeah. He was. He wasn't he saying that. Yeah. That, that was his name again. Ted. Ted. Yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah, so Ted was saying I was I was listening to the podcast in the car and listening to you talking about Plugio and like your inaction on it or your different decisions and I was yelling at the speaker, What are you doing? It was funny. Yeah, that was funny. So <laughs> yeah, I think a lot I think a lot of them said the same thing. Well they all have their their they share you know, the frustrations are pretty standard, right? right. So people's frustration with Epic Night being not being released or you leaving Plugio for dead. Yeah. You know, I mean everybody I mean it's a common theme, right? It's not like anybody is yeah. you know, um No but it's fu- it's funny thinking that we are in people's head in that way, like actually making them kind of irritated <laughs> yeah well you know it's just like you're watching a movie and the guy's like and there's like noises coming from the basement and the girl and the girl's like i'm gonna go down and see what's like don't go in the basement <laughs> you understand the psychopath is the basement he's waiting for you and she's like i'm gonna go and you're freaking out you're yelling at the tv don't go so you know all right well i'll i'll tell you my experience of the um of the conference so oh well let me just say one other thing about okay. the, the talk i thought you did a really good job yeah i thought it was funny but and i thought that um I thought the fact that you had this graph that showed Buggio kind of flatlined for like a year, and then you showed this gigantic, was like Mount Everest, the side of a cliff, when it went straight up 3X when you started doing stuff, and you said like, you know, a little arrow pointing out, wife kicks ass, or wife yeah. kicks your butt, and then and there was the intervention on the podcast, and then it just showed it go straight up, and like everyone was going to remember that, right? So the thing is that a lot of the, well, I guess the the, the um, conference a little bit, some people told stories, told their, their story about how they got their startup to work and yeah. some people just kind of uh, said, look, you need to do this, you should do that, don't do these other things. Yeah. I personally like stories better. I think they're more fun to listen to and I think it's easier to remember the lessons because they fall in some kind of narrative with a story. Yeah. When they're just like, oh, here are 20 lessons. I, yeah, it's hard. Unless you're writing notes and you remind yourself, it's just hard to remember what they are and why they're important. Yeah. But people will, will remember that graph, they'll remember Plugio, They'll remember the graph. They'll, of course, remember that you started the way you started off. But, you know. Anyway. <laughs> oh, yeah. I should talk about the way I started off. So, uh, well, I'm, I'm embarrassed to, talk, to say now. Okay. Did, did I, did You're I embarrassed already, to say. You just said in front of 100 people. Why are you embarrassed? Did, did I already say on this? No I, no, I said it to Georgie, didn't I? Okay. So, I thought that a funny way to start off would be to say um, that I'd asked Rob, what should I talk about? And Rob said, well, just tell your story. Okay. So, I said, all right. I'm going to tell my story. And it starts from the very beginning. And then I flicked to a slide, and it was a slide of a picture of a sperm. And then I said, right. once upon a time, I was a sperm. And that 
pretty much got people's attention and they laughed and I think it was that they were engaged from that point forward that was cute yeah. I mean I did notice as I was as I was talking that you know a fair majority of the audience were were looking at me and that kind of made me nervous because for a lot of the presenters they were you know focused on their laptop kind of doing stuff mm-hmm. so as I was walking around when I thought about the fact oh people are actually paying attention to me it kind of made me nervous self-conscious yeah self-conscious and kind of stumble in some ways I would have preferred that they were just looking at their their laptop but mm-hmm. um, I, I don't know for some reason um, I just managed to get through it I oh yeah this this was an important thing so I had done the, I had done the deck a week earlier and I knew the deck and I was mulling over the ideas in my mind and I decided that I wasn't going to rehearse it in any way I, I'd just been thinking about things to say and um, Ruben from BitSketch the night before I said this was this was actually at the table um, when when you guys were having the texting discussion. So I said, Ruben, so I'm going to do this tomorrow, and I you know I haven't rehearsed it. And he said, Oh oh, uh, no no, you you should rehearse it. And I'm like, No, I think I'll be fine. He's like, No 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 no, seriously, rehearse it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, Okay, I'll 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 go home. You know, I'll go to the room and rehearse it. So I went to the room and actually speaking it out loud imagining myself in front of the audience made me realize oh my god I'm going to say a whole bunch of really stupid stuff right right so um, I, I spoke it through twice and uh, those rehearsals made a big difference and then the next morning I rehearsed it again which made me remember it actually so that was a really big thing so first of all uh, the first session of rehearsal really helped me choose the right things to say and the second rehearsal which was like I guess I don't know 10 hours 10 hours apart really helped me, helped me remember it so when I actually gave the speech because I kind of had this framework in my mind of what I was going to say it was really enjoyable yeah it was really good and I wasn't I wasn't too nervous you know yeah well yeah the framework and the structure you could kind of relax yeah you could yeah be, and it comes across a little more natural you think you'd think the rehearsing would make it uh artificial yeah it wouldn't feel natural yeah but because because you were comfortable because you knew the framework you were more relaxed and, yeah. and, and more natural and the other thing that happens i think is one of the worst things you can do on stage is become self-conscious because once you become self-conscious and comfortable your audience becomes self-conscious yeah, and comfortable yeah. for you Terrific. and they start suffering as well yeah and 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 you don't want that so you want to be as comfortable as you can did, did, did I seem comfortable up there? You did. You did. Oh, there, awesome. There's a couple parts in the middle where you, I say you kind of talk kind of quickly. Like, <laughs> I could tell you were getting a little nervous. There's a couple moments you got a little well, nervous. Well, that was because that, like, that was, I looked up and I, I, like, I could see that everyone in the room was actually paying attention. And it was just like, uh-oh. Yeah. I better be good now, right? Because yeah. they are actually paying attention. No, but it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was good. It was good. I think people liked it. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, so, um, so after, the, after that, after um, that, Rob Walling came up to me and I don't know if he was just saying it because he just says it to every speaker but he said yeah dude that was awesome you totally knocked it out of the park and it was a well, great feeling and uh, lots of people came up after the afterwards and said you know that was a great presentation and I, I hope that you know I hope that they learned something from it and I also hope that some of them become texting listeners yeah, hopefully know? we probably got a handful of converts I'd imagine that'd be awesome well you know the, the, I guess what was more interesting about what Rob said to you is he said you were the dark horse, right? I mean, you were the last slot in, right? I don't right. think you were initially in. You know, you weren't a first round pick. No, right? no, no. Well, because you know, Plunky's only making twenty five hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not it's not that <coughs> big a deal. I mean, there are there are other companies and a lot of entrepreneurs who are making many many multiples of that who have more credibility. So, 
he said, all right, well, you know, they probably couldn't get a couple people they were hoping to get. So, all right, well, Pluggy was kind of interesting. He's, he's, he's tripled his revenue recently. Probably, I think Rob has heard that on the show. So they brought you in. And, well, he, uh, he actually hadn't. He just said, um, talk, what do you want to talk about? What's it going to be called? Tell me the title. Okay. So, but the fact that, but what I mean is that he brought you in kind of as like a, you know, you're kind of a substitute. You're a fill-in. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. And so he didn't have really high hopes probably because the story is just shorter and, and you know you're not as well, established he, but you, you but you but you but you came through which made him really happy well he said to me privately once, once he'd seen the deck he'd said you know what I was having a discussion with with uh, with Mike um, the, uh, yesterday Mike Tabor and we were talking about you know who's, who's going to be good who's going to be a good speaker and Rob said well I think Justin's going to be the dark horse and he's actually going to be quite good in this right because he'd seen the deck so he had an idea well and also you know you do the podcast right so he, he knows you can Communicate. Yeah, that's what he said. He said, "I've listened to fifty hours of this guy talk. I know he can. I know he's kind of interesting and funny." So, <laughs> so that You're was interesting kind of and funny. Uh, well, maybe not. Okay. Um, I'm just, certainly just frustrating. Checking. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah. So I guess that's um, that was the talk. But you know, um, you want to talk about? Um, well, I want to know who who did you get the most out of of the, of the speakers? Well, let's see. I'll just go through. I really liked. Um, well, of course, Patrick McKenzie's always good, but I know his story because we interviewed him. Yeah, he told the he told the story that he told on on texting, but he told it very well. He's actually a really good guy on stage, really good presenter, very very witty. Yeah, he's very funny and in sort of an understated way. You know, he, yeah. he's sort of self-effacing, and he called himself the nerdiest guy at the conference. Yeah, and he is, really was. Which yeah, and it said a lot because you know it's a tech conference. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it was funny. But everybody, you could tell everybody at the conference loves Patrick McKenzie. Yeah, right. Yeah. Everybody really likes him. Very endeared towards him um, because he's he's. He's a very generous, helpful guy. He's very self-effacing. He doesn't have any kind of an ego. So he's just a, he's a great person, right? Yeah. And uh, so I enjoyed listening. Even though I heard the story for the second time, I, I enjoyed it. Well, he was one of the, he was one of the ones... He, you heard the story for the second time, but you still weren't working. You weren't looking at a computer. You were basically watching him, right? Yeah, well, I'll tell you. Was, he, yeah. He's funny enough... He was engaging. That it was, yeah. And it was a story. Yeah, yeah. You know, I can... Uh, stories, I get more engaged than someone just telling me the 10 reasons you should do X. Now... I thought that um, Hidden is it? It's, it's Hidden. Hidden uh, Shaw. Hidden Shaw, who does uh, Crazy Egg and Kissmetrics. Yeah. I really liked his because first of all, I didn't know his story very well. Yeah. I had mean, sort of heard. I, I sort of heard of Kissmetrics and in Survey Survey IO and their work with Sean Ellis and sort of um, product market fit that kind of stuff. I knew there's a relationship there, and I'd heard a little bit about that stuff. And um, but I really enjoyed his story and I enjoyed and I, I found the things he said interesting um, so that was my that was one of my one of my favorites well but one thing you should mention is we were kind of I, I don't think you necessarily knew that you were going to feel that way but it was because at lunch on the second day you engineered to be sat at the top table right <laughs> <laughs> and so we ended up on the table with Hit and Shaw and also with um, uh, Ramit uh, Ramit Smith so like real top guys and yeah, we so, had an awesome discussion so there were two of the top speakers uh, I, I would say they were a couple of the most high profile speakers not only because they're successful but they also have high high profiles on the web there are a couple guys on there who were successful and their, their companies make a lot of money they're successful entrepreneurs but they're not uh, they don't have they're not very well known yeah right yeah. like guy just buy and sell ads and, and, and things like that I mean think there there's some guys yeah so they're, they're a little different category but um Hidden and uh, and Ramit are both higher profile guys. Now I I had never heard of Ramit before, which is interesting because yeah. apparently everybody else had. He somehow had not come on my radar. 
Um, and I, I didn't have much of a chance to talk to them at the speaker's dinner when we came in on Sunday. Was it Sunday night? Yeah. And um, they looked like they were interesting guys. They were, they were bright. They had a lot of energy, a lot of confidence. They really engaged. I'm like, those kind of guys, they, they just seemed like they would probably have some interesting things to say. Yeah. And um, so when we, after today, after we walked into the, uh, the lunch, so they, they hosted uh, the lunch there inside the conference so, area. Right? So how did you socially engineer to? Well, I, I didn't. I, I didn't think it was a. It was a. It was like a, a, a Gabriel Weinberg micro opportunity. Right, I saw right. an opportunity and I go, I'm gonna. <laughs> all right, I know how to make this work. Okay. So I, I was sitting around talking with you, and a couple of the people would come up to you after your talk because you gave, I think, the, one of the last talks or the last talk before, before lunch, lunch. Yeah, yeah. So I was sitting there talking. So by the time I, I was going to go into the other conference room where all the where the food was being served. A lot of the tables were already taken up, and there were a few spots open here and there. And I was like, "All right, I gotta go, you know, find a spot, and I'll probably save a spot for Justin." And I'm looking around, I'm like, "I saw a couple, but there was one table that was completely empty. There was nobody there." And I saw uh, right behind me in line were uh, Hitten and Ramit, and I was like, "I think be interesting to talk to." And and I, rather than just sitting some, with some random person, I'd like to talk to them. So I'm just going to sit at the open table by myself. I mean, maybe they won't sit here. I'll just go sit by myself. Right. And then this other guy, Lee, comes up and he's like, wow, go sit by yourself, huh? And I'm like, you know, everybody zigzag, you know. <laughs> but internally, I said, I'll bet you Rami and Hidden are going to sit right here. Of course, they sat down right here. <laughs> and of course, as a result, we had a fascinating conversation. Very um, interesting. Mostly to your benefit, to your benefit, actually. Yeah. So you sat down and because you'd given the last talk, Hidden and Ramit started talking about how interested they were in um, Plug Hill and how much potential there was there and how much, like there was, they're basically saying, look, there's so much gold to be mined that's so easily mined that you haven't even touched. So they were kind of blown away and, and they were just shaking their head, look, you can do X, Y, and Z and you need to do these things and what you're doing, great. So you got up to 3,000, triple, that's nothing. You, you can take this to a whole nother level and here's how, here are ways that are most likely going to work. They were just, they had so much information. It was amazing. It was like a, like a hundred words a minute coming out of their mouths about what I should be doing. And they were both, well, that, that familiar feeling of just the general frustration with Justin. <laughs> but, but beyond that, um, they really felt that the pricing was completely wrong. They were saying, look, your tool is very, very powerful and it's perfect for even a guy like um, Hitton like, or, or Ramit. Like they were saying that this tool could work for me, but the value is so much more than nine ninety five. Like it totally doesn't. Well, he said that was ridiculous. He says, he's like, I would pay forty nine dollars a month without even thinking about it. Yeah. Well, he's like, I'd probably pay a lot more, but I'd have to think about it. But forty nine, I wouldn't think about it. I wouldn't think twice about it. He's like, I want to be able to schedule my tweets not just for the day, but I need to schedule them for a like month. A, a month in advance. A month yeah. in advance. I yeah. want them randomized because I don't want them all at the same times time of the day. And uh, you know, and and then when you start talking about these other features, he's like, yeah, well, you even talk about. It. I I would have no idea that that's even available. Yeah. So basically, then they they're talking about um, that I should really get in touch with those customers, those kind of power users who want to use it and change the messaging to really suit and fit with those guys. I mean, that's what we heard many, many times from a lot of the discussions is talk to your customers, Go target your customers. It's like, you know, you can do you can do it through, through surveys is one yeah, way to do it. Yeah. Another very good way, which especially when you don't have a ton of customers, it's just just like you did before is email them and ask them if you can have a conversation email your power users yeah. try and get understanding of how you can cluster them into groups and my, my suggestion which I think they thought was prop plausible yeah. but Hidden kept saying yeah that's probably true but you need to test yeah. you know which is that just like you go to Dell's website to order a computer if you don't go to the same 
part of the Dell website, if you're a business, a large enterprise, a government agency, a small mid-sized business, a home office, a home, you know, a home office buyer or our general consumer, yeah. you know, they're completely different types of computers with different configurations with different pricing structures. So my suggestion, what I think will ultimately work, is you have two groups. You have Group A, which which are your um, your sort of uh, brand marketing, brand management company. So the people who are ma- so you, the individuals who might be managing 10, 20, 30 different Twitter accounts. Yeah. Right. So either they're a marketing agency or some branding agency or whoever these people are, but they manage a lot of different Twitter accounts, and uh, Plugio helps them do that. And then the other group, which is the, which Ramit and um, and Hidden were, were both representative of, is like people who have one account but have a ton of followers. They have tens of thousands of followers. 20, yeah. 30, 50, 80,000. I think Remit said he has like 80,000 or something. Yeah, yeah. So he's like, you know, he's like, it's it's in a different, it's orthogonal to the number of accounts. If 80,000 users, it's important to him that he's he's getting out regular high quality content but he but he's if you have 80,000 followers it means you have a lot going on you're probably involved in a lot of stuff doing a lot of stuff which means you can't spend all day there dorking around with Twitter you need yeah. to be efficient about it and and his time is worth a lot of money and so if he can have any if any tool that can save him time so he can do a lot of this work up front for the month and he, and he doesn't have to figure out every day to log in and waste much time you know putting content on Twitter would be a great thing so that would be your your other group so if you're you have your people, your high-powered users. I mean, the individual account with lots of users, uh, lots of Twitter followers. That's one category, and then you have the other category, which is the brand management. Yeah, and and the other thing is, I'd much rather. I mean, I I would feel happier about working on a product that once again is like upscale, like that. You know, like like we're talking about any food being upscale. Yeah. I, I, it's it's weird. I don't know. As I'm getting older and as I'm getting more into this stuff, I'm just more interested into that kind of upscale marketplace. And it's more those fun if you, can, if you can get there. It's hard. To, it's yeah. hard. Well, you know, if you're up, if you're an upper scale brand, upscale brand, you, you obviously the, usually the margins are a lot better, the premiums a lot better. You have fewer customers to deal with, but yet you're making yeah. equivalent or more revenue. I mean, you get when you're doing mass market. Sometimes you make a lot of money, but your margins are really low. Sometimes it's a real grind. You're essentially viewed as a commodity. I yeah. mean, it's a you know. I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it, it just depends. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think most people would if they can find if they can be the premium brand, if they can command the premium, um, uh, you know, uh, price, they would prefer to do it. But I don't think it's not always very easy to get yourself into that situation. So one one thing I want to talk about is um, Noah Kagan, who basically seems to be. You know the most well-branded guy there. I know you hadn't heard of him before. I, I heard of Absumo, but uh, you know you seem to be more aware of him than I was. I, I just knew that he, that everyone knew him and that he was like the kind of the hottest thing in the space right now. Well, that's why you were funny because like you're you're you had a couple of funny remarks because the the, the speakers dinner, he and I kind of go off and start having a conversation. Yeah, and, and you're like. How is it that you just like kind of like immediately are part of the group talking to everybody? And I'm like, dude, I, I was just the last one at the end of the table. I had the worst seat, and he had to scoot out. And so, I think like you're talking to the highest profile guy within within two minutes. You're like having a, a one-on-one conversation with him. Everyone else is sitting at the table talking to each other, and you are talking to this the highest profile guy there straight away. Yeah, well, I, th- I think it was just uh, a one. It was just the fact that I happened to be sitting in the worst spot. Right. <laughs> and uh, he got out, and he just kind of made a few comments to me, and we started talking. Um, we got a, you know, kind of a long conversation about some things, but um, yeah, he's um, he's an interesting guy. He's very, you know, is a very high energy 
uh, guy with a lot of lot of ideas. Um, I think uh, someone asked. Um, I mean, it was Rob or somebody a- or, or someone else asked Andrew Warner at the end of his talk, who would of all the people we've interviewed, who would he be most confident in putting and in investing in, investing his money in, in yeah. startup? And he said Noah without a second thought. Yeah. So we've so that that means I think that we've certainly got our next three interviews lined up. We we definitely want to get Hit and Shah and uh, we definitely want to get Ramit Smith and we definitely want to get Noah Kagan. So we'll and they've be all they've up. all uh, they've all said that they'd be happy yeah. to come on. So we'll we'll try and get them on sometimes over the next month or two as they yeah. have time. They were they were they're all interesting guys. They have a lot of smart, a lot of good helpful insights, and uh, they're all interesting to listen to, right? <laughs> They're all high-energy, yeah. charismatic people, so it's, it's easy to listen to them. Yeah, and we also want to get Marcus McConnell in there at some stage as well. So, um, yeah, did you have a chance to talk to Noah? <coughs> I didn't get a chance to talk to him. He just came up after the presentation, just uh, did the fist bump thing that is very <laughs> kind of, uh, you know, I, I'm the kind of Englishly tried to do it. Uh, oh, yo. <laughs> you did your, English uh, ver- your awkward English version of the... Of the oh, first. yes. Yo, Noah, yo. <laughs> 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 That's great. Well, Noah, Noah's funny because I think Noah, Noah and Ramit and um, Hidden are all sort of, they're not just in sort of the micro um, micro business world. They're also sort of the Silicon Valley yeah, yeah. Uh, business world. So in the sense that they're high profile in that way. So, but uh, Noah lives in uh, Austin. He doesn't live up in the valley or anywhere. Huh. Which I thought was interesting. And he's kind of disconnected from that in, in that way. He's at least geographically, although he's obviously connected with everybody. Um, because Noah used to work at Facebook and Mint. He was one of the first employees at Facebook for a while. And uh, Mint. And we'll have we'll have Monty tell us all the story. But um, yeah, so he's he's been Noah had an interesting presentation. So the main thing about his presentation was that he had these hot sauce bottles. So if someone kind of responded to him or interacted with him in a good way, he'd throw them a hot sauce bottle. And there was one stage where he threw this hot sauce bottle to this woman in the audience, and I, we don't know why. For some reason, she threw it back to the stage. She was like, "Oh, I, I don't like hot sauces." It wasn't because she didn't like him. She was just like, "Oh, it, right. I'm not really going to like this hot sauce." But he wasn't looking, so the hot sauce landed on the stage and splattered and went all over the front row of the audience. Right. <laughs> so that was yeah. kind of funny. Um, and the main takeaway from his talk was learn how to type faster. No, that was just one of like 30, like 37 suggestions. Yeah. But it was just kind of like how to be effective and efficient yeah. and live the life you want to live. It was sort of about self, it was like self-actualization. Yeah. And part of it was like be efficient, you know, get enough sleep. You know, if you're not enjoying yourself, you're not getting out of a situation, leave. It sounded you like know? it was very much about his own life realizations that he'd come to recently. And it's like, this is what I need to do for myself. That's what I want to tell you guys. Well, I think that's pretty true with everybody, yeah. right? I mean, everybody's pulling from their lessons. I mean, you know, you've been on this big um, bootstrapping kick because you learned that as your lesson. And so you're like, I want, I want people to be able to achieve financial independence and bootstrap and stuff and that's because you've learned it from your lessons and that's that's right so yeah i think i think it's generally going to be the case is people people have problems they have they suffer in different ways they figure out how to stop suffering and how to how to uh be successful and they're like okay well you know this is this is what i've learned and then if you're invited to speak somewhere that's what you're going to talk about so right but uh you know, Noah's is entertaining. He, he he's a good, he's sort of a natural speaker. He's yeah, a charismatic he, guy, yeah. and uh, he's a, he's a natural. Ramit was very interesting too because he was um, 
he he studied. Uh, I missed the very first five minutes of his uh, of his presentation, so I, I I missed out on the part where he talked about his um, background. But what I but I gleaned from it is that he was studying um, like behavioral, um, like the the science of behavior and how to adjust behavior, influence behavior, what 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 changes behavior, things like that. And I think it was like maybe he was studying like he was like in graduate school at Stanford for you know behavioral science or something like that. And uh, so a lot of what he was trying to get across is like, look, if you want to be successful, this is these are things you need to do to change your own behavior. And if you're in a and if you're trying to influence other people in regards to your product or service or whatever, here's how you change their behavior. The thing about Ramit, just from talking to him and listening to him, is he's one of these guys who his brain has laser focus. Like he literally every word that comes out is just very relevant to the current discussion there's no minced words he's just so on the ball like one of those rare people who you meet who's just 110 percent on the ball well i think he um so i think he's been doing this for a while I, they should some there's a slide up there he was on the today show back from 2009 oh and right yeah i think his book is like i will teach you how to be rich or yeah and i think it's like i will teach you how to be rich.com is, is is the is the domain and um so I think he knows his story, right? He's got his shtick down. He's got his ideas. He knows how to communicate them. He knows to how to win and how to elaborate on them. He knows how to relate them to other things. So it's tight. It's it, his thinking and and uh, what he's tight is a good pushing. way of putting it's it. Very yeah. tight. Yeah, it's very refined. So like what you're talking about, I mean, these are some of these ideas are things that you've just been coalescing the last couple weeks or couple months. So you're kind of like, oh, this and oh that, and these are kind of things, and, and they're interesting, you know. And that's the same for a lot of them, but it's not as tight as Ramit's because he's he kind of figured out the things that he's talking about a while back. He's yeah. had plenty of time to battle test it, and he's that's probably given this yeah, talk, you know dozens if not hundreds of times in various ways either through tweets and blog posts and interviews and uh, you know writing well books. I heard that he was talking kind of from a different perspective because on his on his website I will teach you to be rich I've heard that's much more about kind of motiv- motivational stuff whereas this time he really was talking about building a SaaS business you know he was mm-hmm. very he's kind of focused on that so there was yeah I, I you know I can't say as much about him because I, I, I'm less familiar with him like yeah. I can talk about Patrick McKenzie a little bit because I'm a little more familiar with with him obviously we've interviewed him and I've read a lot of his stuff and the same with like Rob Walling and things that he's talked about And uh, but Ramit's so new to me that uh, um, I probably would have to read up on him a little more before yeah. I can feel like I'm confident in sort of describing you know what his message is I guess so the last talk of the day was um, <clears throat> the last talk of day two um, was Hitton Shah and he's a guy who uh, created Crazy Egg he founded Crazy Egg and Kiss Metrics, and his talk was was pretty awesome. Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, you know, his is a lot of about testing. Like it, he went through, it was sort of like Eric Reese was talking about the lean startup methodology. His his story is very similar in how they spent a lot of time coding up and working on these um, these startups, and they never they didn't spend any time doing customer development, interviewing customers, doing service, trying to understand the market before they built something, and. And they turned out to be failures, and they had a number of failures um, because he had a consulting company, and it was like himself and maybe at least one, you know one or two developers, and maybe they had some designers or whatever. So they would do they would work as a consulting company, kind of like the thirty seven singles approach, but trying to launch their own products, but none of them were really working. And what he decided is that 
that, that was not work. That was not a good strategy. That going forward, they needed to, to, to have a much better understanding of what the market was, who the customer was, why they were going to pay, what they were going to pay for, how they were going to reach them, and so and then and that they and and so if they were going to do it, they were going to do it very fast. So if they if they were going to do the research and then we're going to try and get something in front of these people very quickly. And a lot of it came down to doing um, a lot of surveys of various kinds, whether we're talking to them in personally, yeah, or or doing an actual uh, like a form, like a web form, because they started out creating something. They thought they were going to do something like that and compete with um, SurveyMonkey, but then they decided that they didn't want to compete with SurveyMonkey and be a Me Too when they, especially they they didn't they couldn't think of a way to differentiate themselves, and I guess they used. Yeah, they used this product to kind of create survey, survey.io, which is something that, which is a survey form that um, Sean Ellis devised, which is to help with um, customer development. Excuse me. <coughs> Sorry about that. <coughs> so, why don't you pick up from here? Yeah, so um, Crazy Egg, uh, they, he spoke about his company, and basically that now has seven figures in revenue. They've spent zero dollars on marketing. Um, the thing that they that he kept on saying was, first of all, start with a hypothesis. So your hypothesis is um, the the type of customer that the type of person that you think it is, and the kind of problem that you think it's going to solve. So we think that um, people who have websites need uh, a tool to help them understand where clicks are happening. So that's our hypothesis. So then we prove the hypothesis by going and speaking to, to potential customers and we survey them and we speak to them and we say, look, is, is this really true? Like, tell us, tell us your issues and tell us your problems. And then they get close to the, to the um, assumptions and maybe they p- have to pivot their idea a little bit. But once they found out what the customers want, then they start building that, <clears throat> building that product and building that website. And a thing that he said that has been the most important thing for them is during that t- that initial phase of doing the whole landing page things and collecting people's email address and surveying people and talking to people is to find people who are what he calls early evangelists. They're the people who are <clears throat> not just into your product but kind of a little bit crazy. Crazy about your product. Right, crazy about your product. So, and to nurture them as much as possible. And the, essentially, I, the impression I got was the more of these early evangelists that you find, the more that you nurture... Essentially, it's going to be like an exponential factor because they're going to tell more people. And you make, and, it ha- and it's like you're you're really working to make them happy. Yeah. So it's by solving their bugs, I mean, fixing the bugs that they're complaining about, solving their problems, getting to understand the problems they really want solved, adding the features that they really need, to solve their problems, that kind of stuff. So one thing he said um, uh, with uh, when he was talking about Crazy Egg is he said that he got the people there. When they got their first, I think it was like 20,000 people on their original email list, he, he didn't like to use the term beta. He liked to use the term early access. Get early access to this product. He said, yeah. don't call it a beta. What was his reasoning? Well, because a beta makes it sound like it's buggy. <laughs> yeah, it's buggy but software. Buggy, right. You want to you know, use my buggy software. I mean, nobody, not, not, people are less interested in, in using buggy software, but they are interested in getting early access to something they think is going to be powerful and help solve their problems. Yeah. So... I thought that was a really clever, clever sort of, you know, uh, turn, I would say called turn of phrase, but it's just a, uh, a better way of describing um, what you're offering. Focus not, it, you're focusing on the positive and not on the negative. 
Um, something else that was interesting, someone asked him, because uh, he, he had spoken about, you know, outsourcing and uh, finding people to build his project. And they said, well, how, where do you find your people? You know, where do you find good people? And he came back with an answer that I hadn't thought of before, but it's a great answer. He said through open source, right? Okay. He, goes and, he goes and looks at open source projects and finds who's making the software, contacts them and offers them a job. Well, that's, makes, that's a great idea. Well, he's not a developer, so I don't know if he's doing that. Right. Well, no, he's, he's, he said that he was he would kind of, uh, I guess somehow they determine on a technology that they're going to use. Based on open source. Yeah, and, and then they go and find people in open source who But he also said they do it by tw- and th- via Twitter. Like he'll put a, yeah, put a Twitter call as well, out yeah. on Twitter. I mean, I guess he has enough followers. He can say, hey, I need a contractor to do X. Yeah, when you've got 80,000 followers. You know. Yeah. <clears throat> so that was interesting. Yeah. So um, my notes from uh, Noah Kagan's AppSumo talk. Um, let's see. Send people something nice. Hmm. So he, <laughs> he, he said that he regularly randomly picks customers and sends them a box of cookies. That's funny. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of Wufu. Wufu, they personally uh, signed Christmas cards. Thank, I think it was thank you notes um, at Christmas to all of their uh, all of their customers all their paying customers yeah you know I'm like that's a nice touch I mean get our, you know our, I, I, maybe it wasn't Christmas but it was my personal thank you note to everyone uh, that was a really interesting because and, and they're I mean Wufu was really big on customer support like they would have this almost like real time customer support yeah would comp- if you had if you would send them an email complaining about something they would get back to you like almost me they were, they were just obsessive about it I think I, I've always thought that's really important to do um, something else he said was be as unique as possible. Right. So just always have some way of standing out. And I guess the way he was standing out this time was with his his hot sauce and just his general personality. Yeah, I, I, mean, I generally agree with that too. You know, it's like uh, one guy told, uh, sort of a friend of a friend who I met once who was an interesting guy. And he's like, look, I just never want to be on a list. You know, yeah. I avoid being on a list. And, and I've always thought about that. I mean, you know, you can't obviously always avoid being on a list, but you kind of want people to look at you specifically like I want this person it's just like oh he otherwise by being on a list you're kind of a commodity you're one of many that are kind of the same right you know and um, as much as possible you want people to come to you directly like and, and that's essentially by creating a brand a standout brand which is about uniqueness a brand is essentially um, is about uniqueness right if you're not unique you're not a brand right? yeah it's just another it's almost, it's almost like another way of saying the same thing so it, I'll just go through his points because I took, I think, the most detailed notes from him. Okay. And the reason why I took the most detailed notes is because he said, at the beginning, he said, write things down. He said, all the, all the smart people I know write things down. <clears throat> and it kind of, I was like, oh. I guess I'm not very smart because I never write anything down. <laughs> he was like, okay. I was like, okay, I'll, I'll write things down. So um, <laughs> next thing he said is, uh, how would you treat your customers if you had to keep them? So in other words, what he's saying is, don't kind of just randomly think about churn rates but think like you absolutely have to keep them. Like you've, you just do whatever it takes to keep these customers. Right. So that's what that's what he's saying to think about. Uh, he said, create rules and systems. What do you think about that? So basically, uh, rule of three. So in other words, um, he says to he said to one of his sales guys, Matt, we must do three deals a week. Right. He right. said he builds his whole uh, startup on all of these rules of three. Yeah. Okay. So we've heard that we heard that a number of times in the conference. Um, I, he wasn't the only one to say that. I think uh, Hitton said that. <laughs> I think that um, 
Patrick McKenzie alluded to it to a certain amount, like, you, you know, answering emails with sock puppet emails, you know. <laughs> I think somebody else, um, I, 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 the guy who did uh, buy and sell ads was talking about, is like, look, you're a software developer. Automate. Automate, yeah. right? I mean, and, uh, right, which only makes sense, right? You should automate as much as you can. And the, the, the reminds me also of an article I ran too long ago about, like, if you want to um, change your behavior and you want to have a sort of self, that requires a certain amount of self-discipline, automate it as much as possible. So let's say that you're saying you want to lose weight and go to the gym. Yeah. Go to the gym every day at the same time, no matter what. Right. Automate it. Don't have to think about it like, oh, did I go to the gym today or should I run or should it? No, that's because that's requiring all this extraneous thought and bringing in all this question of whether you should do it or how you should do it. No, just it's automated. like an unquestioned routine. Yeah, so you're, you're 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 therefore making it psychologically less taxing, and um, and and I don't know. I mean, I guess you could probably go into a lot of reasons why that works, but I think that's that's one of the things about it because it's if you want to make something a habit, something that you do, that's something that works. So as soon as you figure out something that works, then you want to make it a habit. And you don't. And if you're going to make it a habit, the best way to make it a habit is this automated system, systematized. Yeah. So whether systematized as a business rule, like we do three deals a week, or it's an automated, um, you know, a piece of a software. Yeah. Right? Next. So next, next point <laughs> next. was make decisions based on data, not emotion. Right. Well, that was another huge theme, right? I mean, it was it, a huge it, theme. It was funny. There was like three or four themes that kept on recurring. You know, automate. Uh, A/B testing. That A/B testing one so, is just, so testing, yeah, testing, testing every testing data, testing yeah. your ideas, testing uh, and, and getting to know your customers, treating your customers really well, uh, focusing on revenue. But it's funny because the buy sell guy and me both said, "Look, we've we've developed this based on our intuition and our gut feel." Right. You know. And to be honest, the buy sell guy is the one who had the biggest success there. Right. He's a guy who basically went from zero revenue to one and a half million <laughs> revenue. While maintaining his nine-to-five job, in fact, he didn't even leave his nine-to-five until he was over a million revenue. And he said he didn't test things. I don't remember that. Yeah, he said he didn't test things. No, he didn't. He didn't test things. Well, he just did it based on his gut. Yeah, I, I think you can do a certain amount, but I think at some point, when you have enough resources and enough data to test, that you should test. Yeah. Because you may still, you may be at a local maximum, not a global maximum, right? You you could be doing much better. Yeah. And um, you. You can understand your customers. You can understand variables. You can uncover variables that you can um, give you a lot greater return on what you're doing. And um, one thing that I mentioned to uh, during the lunch with um, uh, with Hitton and Ramit, which I think they both really liked, was the idea that in trading, when you're trying to build automated trading strategies, okay, so yeah. think of think of automated trading strategies. You have the data is the market data, right? And the uh, the strategy is when to buy and sell and how much, right? And they and these these rules, these buy and sell rules, these trade trends can be arbitrary, can be extremely simple, or they can be incredibly complex. And one of the lessons that was that was learned pretty quickly in the trading community is that you don't want to data mine. You don't want to use some algorithms that just search uh, continuously through the data to find something that works because what they'll do is they'll overfit and then optimize it because what they'll end up doing is overfit the variables in the trading strategy and it'll say it'll say something like, oh, you know, we would have made a million dollars last month or you know, 200% return. Fine. Well, guess what? That's going to fall apart and you're going to lose, you know, 200% next month because it's so specific. It overfit. Now, 
when we talked to James Altucher the first, in, a, in his very first interview, and we talked about when he was trading, he mentioned that he would test everything, and that uh, Victor Niederhofer, who he, who he traded for, Victor Niederhofer is um, one of the best known um, traders of all time, and he invented statistical arbitrage, which is the uh, which is really about using statistics to find when to buy and sell, when to test strategies, right? It's like, you know, his was like applying metrics, like how everyone's like, hey, apply metrics to your customer behavior. It's now who is applying metrics to like, when is a strategy gonna work? You know, not just making assumptions like, oh, well, when a company's debt to equity ratio is X, and when this is why you should buy, it's like, well, do you really know that? You're basically talking like you think that should work, but it turns out if you test it, sometimes it actually doesn't work. Yeah. So, but, my question to James Altucher at that time was like, well, how do you test everything without running into the problem of overfitting, of uh, data mining effectively, right? Yeah. So, like, I can run an algorithm that, you know, uses genetic algorithms or, or neural nets or something and it loops through and, and ends up, you know, what they call curve fitting or over-optimizing. But you could do the same thing accidentally by just repeatedly trying um, manually creating strategy and testing and testing and testing and creating some intuition of what's going to work on this old data, but you're really still overfitting the old data, right? So what was his answer? His answer was, come up with a hypothesis of what would work based on, that makes sense. You know, that makes some kind of sense with your understanding of what that financial data really represents. Okay, it, it, you know, a, a stock or a futures contract or something is a real thing in the world and, and, and there are certain principles that affect it and if you kind of can come to some understanding of what those principles might be that you're seeing some trends like okay when these things happen this is why it makes sense that this would happen and then you test it you said and, something about the 80 20 rule at dinner at lunch um, regarding this subject so you said that you don't you don't need to use 80,000 transaction you can just you know you can use a much smaller oh, yeah. data set so that's a that was a slightly different um, conversation but yeah so the the idea that you don't uh, actually I talked about that I talked about that I talked about that I talked about that at dinner last night but no no lunch today yeah the idea was that no I actually talked about that at dinner that was at dinner. I was sure that... Um, uh, it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. So yeah. well, the idea was that um, if you have 80 stocks or 8 stocks... So the, the Okay, let me back up here. The One of the most important things to do in, 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 in finance is diversification. That's right. like the only free lunch that you get. Oh, so yeah, you yeah. No, you're right. It was your portfolio, yeah, yeah. then um, you're less vulnerable to, to what they call, uh, I guess, uh, non-systematic risk risk. I always get the reverse, systematic versus systematic risk. So the bottom line is like, there could be a fantastic company that just is innovative products and great growth and great, you know, uh, book to market value and debt to equity ratios and all these kinds of stuff. And you say, you know what, I'm putting all my net worth in that thing. That thing's going to the moon. Well, it could turn out that, you know, maybe there was fraudulent things going on in the company or their one project, their main revenue source turns out to be in violation of some patent law and they get sued out of existence and it just goes down, right? Yeah. And then guess what? You lost everything. Well, if you go and say, well, you want to diversify, oh, I'm going to just, you know, pick a hundred stocks, a hundred of the best hundred that I can find. Well, first of all, that's a lot of information to even attempt to follow, to even know. You really can't know them that well. Yeah. But it turns out that I, th I think with a number that I, re I remember hearing was that eight stocks has 80% of the diversification is 80 stocks. 
So just getting like eight to ten stocks. Yeah. You know, is, is it gets you diversification that you need. So pick eight really great stocks as opposed to eighty stocks. And I think I'm trying to remember what that was um, in regards to what we were talking about at that point. But um, oh, what I, what I was saying is that you know you were saying well. Um, Maybe it was you or somebody was saying, well, how many people, we, we need, oh, you said, we're talking about any food, and you said, well, we need to go out and ask everybody what they think. And I said, look, we've talked to oh, yeah, that eight texting listeners here for hours. We've talked to eight people. We've thought it through in many different ways. We've heard lots of different takes on various edge cases. I think we got it. This is enough data. Eight is yeah. a good proxy for 80. So you put it out on Startup Guild, and you get another 20 or 30 people chime in. But I don't know if it's going to add If it, at this point. I think we, I mean, we, get, we don't want to suffer from paralysis through analysis like we keep thinking and thinking and second guess it's like okay we got we've talked to enough smart people who understand technology who understand um uh, startups who are both the suppliers and the buyers in this case um i think we got enough validation to take the next step build something simple throw it out there and see and then learn at the next stage yeah so that was why why i brought that up and uh, the where I got that from, I was reading a book on, uh, it was like uh, Market Wizards or something. It was an interview with Stephen Cohen of SAC Capital, who's one of the biggest, most successful hedge fund managers in history. And that was something he said. I thought it was good. I thought it was good and worth repeating there. So, um, <clears throat> well, I think I'm, I'm actually pretty tired. I'm pretty tired because doing this podcast and also doing the presentation today, have taken a lot of kind of concentration and mental effort. Um, so I was just... I think I'm kind of getting close to being done. Uh, we've done we've done an hour and a half, um, but what about? Do we have anything to talk about? Is there anything else in the notes or stuff that you learned that you about Plugio? What you're going to do? There, there's oh man, there's there's an infinite amount. But you know what I want to do is I want to go away and gather my thoughts. And we got we got a recording of the conversation at lunch, so I want to go away and write out the bullet points about that and think about that. But the other thing is. I want to get start getting stuck into any food. So I've got two major projects to do now is to think about how to rework uh, Plugio according to the advice um, and the, I just guess the general feedback that I got through the conference, but then also to get stuck into the any food stuff. So we've got a lot of work ahead of us. I think, I think the first step is to um, just to write down a list of what the primary features are going to be. Right. Yeah. Like what, what, it, what, what, what does a uh, contractor or not a contractor, but what is a, what is an expert, need to be able to do on the site for yeah. version one register log in create a profile edit a profile things like that what does a um a buyer or a, a client or, cons- or whatever we're going to wh- however we're going to dis- uh whatever we're going to call them what they need to be able to do they need to be able to create an account they need to be able to search for uh Expert, they need to be figured a way to contact them through the site. They need a way to maybe save favorites. Stuff, it's funny like because um, able to write reviews. Yeah, no, you're you're completely right. But it's funny because with um, some recent consulting jobs that I've done, um, the company that I work for, Vibo, we've when we've worked on the beginning of products, I've really wanted to not do that. What I've really wanted to do is to build the homepage and understand what the homepage looks like, understand what the marketing messages are, and work my way down. Because I feel that once you understand that perspective from the people who are visiting the site, the customers, mm-hmm. um, that then it kind of informs the features. Yeah, uh, that, that's fine. I mean, you do it however you want. Um, yeah. I don't... See, I, my brain works at like, okay, what, we, what mechanisms need to happen? Right. 
for transactions to occur, for people to find each other, and people to you know. So, and and based on those mechanisms, what what are the data? What's the data? Are the models that are representative of those? of that behavior and how do they relate to one another. And that's kind of how I built Apignite. You define yeah, yeah. the data structures, then everything yeah. flows out. Now, how the views look and what you know, what page, that's sort of, that's simple. So it's simple to change. So whether you have, you know, stuff on the sidebar or they have a big button here, that's sort of, to me, that's not a big deal. So, um, but, you know, and that's easy to change. So if you want to do that first, you know, go ahead. Well, the reason why I want to do that is that once I mock up the site, we may find out that Reviews just aren't really a requirement. Nah, see that's. No, no, I, 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 I know I, that. I know that. So I don't. I mean, you can design a, a mock-up any way you want and draw yeah. it. The bottom line is, you're going to have to have reviews. But no, you know, reviews. Don't I was to build giving trust. that as an example. I was yeah. giving that example, right? So there may be some functionality that that you think that we need, which we we may not do. I'm just saying that. We'll, to my I, way of thinking, I, we'll I, only find that out. I think what'll it. happen is, I don't think I don't think anything we've discussed functionality is stuff that we're not going to need. I could be wrong. Right. I, I mean, all I've talked about is search and reviews and ratings, pretty much, and be able to just edit your profile. That's pretty much all I've been talking about. Um, but well, you might discover things that we need in addition to. Yeah. I think true. there might be holes, like, oh, what about X, Y, and Z? So you yeah. might find some things that we need in addition to. Yeah. But I think the things that we've described um, are just so standard across websites like Amazon or for, for you know reviews and ratings and you know, author profiles or expert profiles or things like Odesk and Elance, things we can learn from there, or Angie's List. Um, I think we've learned from those sites. What 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 do people need to build trust and have enough visibility and understanding what it is they're gonna get? So I think that's sort of like pretty basic, but you may be right I think you're right in that there are things that we're not thinking about that we might need on there as well. That's one thing. I think it's yeah. less that we're wrong in that, but that we're gonna need there are more Yeah, no, need. agreed, agreed. Yeah. But yeah, you do whatever you need to do to get the mock-ups. Yeah. Because from my perspective, um, AppIgnite will generate all this stuff. So if you, if exactly. you say, hey, so yeah. if you need to go through certain steps to get your your brain around the problem in the way that you're comfortable with, say, I know, I see it. And then based on that, we can go and outline the uh, the models. Then fine. Yeah. Good. So that, is that your next step? Is you want to go model? Is you want to mock up based on what we've I do, about? but ultimately I'd like to do it in a shared screen session session with you. But I'm not sure we're going to get a chance now that you're going away. Why don't you so just do it? I mean, I'll try and do me? some stuff before you go. Well, I don't, I don't think you need me to draw it. I don't really care about the marketing message on there. I mean, we've talked about it. You know, okay. just in time expertise. Well, I'll do okay. I'll do some um, I'll do some mock ups and. Uh, when you get back from Sweden, or even when you're over there, I'll send you them and you can see yeah, what you think. send yeah, me sure. a mock-up. So you just go, yeah, draw your mock-ups, do your first round. I mean, we've talked about this for hours and hours and hours. I right. think, I think we have <laughs> We're a ready mind, to go. We have a mind meld, okay? We've achieved mind meld. I, I get it. <laughs> we both get it. You got it. Now it's just execute. Enough talking. Execute. Yeah. So build the damn mock-ups. We'll agree on the mock-ups as a, as a base, as a wireframe. And then once we got that, then I'll use AppIgnite generate a um, a a, uh, a basic application on that and then uh, and then we'll go from there in terms of getting a design for it and then uh, come up with a plan to getting our first 50 or 100 you know uh, users awesome oh and the other thing I was gonna say is we what we should, uh, probably the, the the thing we should even do before the mock-ups and maybe you'd be willing to do this is setting up like a, a page to collect email addresses for people interested in it create yeah. a little survey because what we're talking about um, and I, I, I think William was might have been the one who brought this up, was that 
we, we get a survey that says, okay, are you interested in, you know, checkbox of bu- being, a, being a buyer or an expert or both, right? You yeah. check, I'm, I, I could probably be both. I, I can see myself buying it or influencing the purchase of expertise or being, and, or, and uh, I, I um, Okay, we're just coming up to a, a, a California inspection point, which is kind of weird. Now they're going to wonder why we've got these mics yeah. on. Hi. Yep. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> right, right, right. So, um, you, uh, uh, yeah. So, so, and a survey where they can check those boxes and also describe what would be the categories of expertise that they might provide. So we might have like high level things like Linux administration, SQL, PHP, Rails, what uh, you know, jQuery, whatever. But then also more specific things if they if they want to add those in, any more information that they want to add. Yeah. And that will help us, um, you know, get a get a better understanding. And that might be a first step. So we collect email addresses and not only just email addresses, but what who are what role do they think that they might be interested in playing in this service? Yeah. I okay. think that's what we should do first, and uh, since we're going to be talking on the podcast, I mean, and people sure. are going to be thinking about it, and if they're interested, they we want to we want to know that they're interested. Yeah. So the very so in fact, probably by the time, well, I don't know if by the time you hear this, I guess we should do that. Yes. This this is going to be out in, yes. in two weeks, right? So any food is going to be out sooner. A n y f u dot com, anyfood dot com. Yeah. 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 Go there and. Uh, well, well, we'll have a we'll have a um, something. Yeah, we'll have some kind of a, a, a what's that landing page. All right. Well, this that this has been our podcast on the way back from the fantastic microconf. Um, this is Justin and Jason, and uh, that's a wrap. We're out. <laughs> <laughs> nice.